Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Working for the Weekend, Michigan Dross's podcast about the full-time hustle of a part-time MBA. I'm Ajay Muthuswamy and I'm excited to host another episode today. Our theme for this season is uncertainty and journeys. And so far, we have covered the value proposition from an MBA, how can one select the right type of an MBA, and most recently about the current state of management education. As always, if you like what you hear, make sure you give us a rating and comment on your favorite podcast app to help us reach a larger audience. You can always email us at weekendpod@umich.edu or DM us on our Instagram handle at drosswftwpod. Thank you for listening and let's get started. Today on the show we are going to get down to the dollars and cents of one of the biggest investments you can make in your career an mba degree joining us today are mckenzie zondlack wmba class of 2023 and sashank talapragada wmba class of 2024 both are here to give us some insights scoop on roi aka return on investment of this valuable education So Mackenzie and Sashank thank you for joining us today could you start with your background and maybe tell us about your favorite hobby Sure Ajay thank you so much for having us I know I'm really excited to be here a little bit about myself I like you said I'm a WMBA 2 about to graduate in a couple of months and my favorite hobby right now has got to be watching Michigan play any sort of sport. I was going to say football, but their season is over, but had a really good time watching Michigan hockey beat Wisconsin last night. So, it's been really nice watching the Maize and Blue no matter what. Exactly, go blue. It was good to get the 7-4 and I was also there like supposed to help me get the ticket, so thank you so much. Appreciate it. And you did mention that you are graduating. So That's how excited true. you are? <laughs> I'm I'm really excited. You know, it's bittersweet this time of year and anyone from our cohort will really tell you that that it's been a long time coming. We've worked really hard to get where we are now, but just about every weekend that we are in class is very nostalgic. We're all trying to spend as much time as possible together before we all, you know, graduate, break apart and and sort of go on our own journeys. So It's been a wonderful experience. A little bit excited, a little bit nervous, a little bit scared, but really looking forward to graduating in late April and seeing what else is to come. Oh, that's definitely Boston, you know, you guys like have been right from day 1 or even from day 0 for our cohort. I'm sure we all are going to miss you, but we wish you all the best in advance. There's a lot more fun to come in coming weeks. We'll cover that. Maybe as part of the podcast. So thanks again, McKinsey, for the introduction. So Sashank, here we go. The man from Miami. Are you the one? Awesome. <laughs> thanks. No, I think this is exciting. Oh, thanks for having me here. As you mentioned, I'm from the WMB one. We started our MBA last summer, 
which is pretty interesting and an exciting cohort to work with as well. Very friendly, uh, very professional team members to work with. From the hobbies perspective, I think when our second years hosted our the golf tour, that's where I picked up golf from there. Pretty interesting being in Florida. That's another exciting thing that you can play in, in especially in the winters. That's been my latest hobby recently. And I'm, of course, a big Wolverine fan as well. So football, hockey, basketball, I'm in it. <laughs> so pretty, pretty interesting and excited for the course as well. Uh, that's awesome. I didn't know that you, I mean, we both had I mean, played our first golf. It was like the first hit kind of thing. But still, uh, it's good to know that you keep continuing it. So thank you so much, Sashank. So when I ask a lot of MBA and I read about it, like, you know, people want to make a difference, you know, like they want to improve others' lives, which is definitely good. But first and foremost, people join MBA to make money, right? We are being slightly honest here in, in you know, through career progression, starting their own startup, you know, whatnot. End of the day, one of the objectives, I would say not the only objective, but one of the objectives is to make money. Also, uh, MBA education while working full-time needs more time, but you know, time is a constraint. And along the way, we have learned that time is money. And uh, in the finance classes, we also learned that the time value of money. So, diving straight into the topic. What exactly is ROI? And uh, why should MBA students care about it? Sure, I think I can take that up. Uh- for me specifically, when I look at ROI or whenever I chose to even you know go through the MBA program, right? Of course, the economics is part of it on how much the tuition is, you know, how much would I end up with total? Where do I get the money from? How do I pay for that? Uh, of course, there's there are opportunities on you know placements that we could recover some, you know, work with our current employers to get some sponsored funds enough for us, or even you know get some loan that we could pay back after our MBA education from the ROI perspective, especially for candidates who are also traveling from outside, it's not only the dollar. It's also the effort that goes in, the commitment that you have to do. And of course, that adds on more dollars to your flight tickets and your stays and all that. So so yeah, it's it's an all-around circle, I should say. It is definitely important to maintain all of this. It creates a balance between work and your personal life as well. It becomes, it becomes a bit structured for you if you think of it that way. Um, you work in the morning do your assignments in the evening, cover classes on the weekend. So parallel, you're not really stopping on working. You're gaining that experience and covering those concepts in classes, which is pretty interesting. So that's that's how I look at ROI. Yeah, as I mentioned, economically, we could cover it somehow, but it's more about interpersonal skills that you develop through the course. Awesome, Shashank. Very well put together. So you also mentioned that, like, you know, traveling every other weekend, right? How soon do you plan it? Like, so when we are talking now in February, so how far off have you booked? I generally book two weeks in advance. So whenever whenever we have our travel schedules out, we know ahead what dates our classes. But of course, certain classes, I also try to involve in a lot of Sangha leadership activities, you know, all the training for activities that happen uh, and many more like Legacy Lab, World Crisis Challenge and whatnot. So I make time for that as well. So when I schedule my flights, I make sure I'm there for that part or even extend my stay for the next residency and then move on. So... It's about two or three weeks in advance for sure. That's one pattern that I also notice when while booking tickets is maybe that's the cheaper time to buy right before. That's a pro tip for our listeners today. Like to get cheaper tickets, book two or three weeks upfront. So 
Thank you. I'm, I hope you have enough frequent flyer miles. So when we plan to go out like next year, like, you know, well, you can utilize it in one way or another. So thanks, Sashank. So McKinsey, I know you work at a bank. So what exactly is ROI to you? Yeah, great question. So ROI for me is a little bit interesting. ROI on the MBA education for me is actually a bit more like insurance. So in part, I I work at a financial institution. However, my undergraduate education is not in finance. And I do I did, you know, coming into the MBA, I was interested in gaining more knowledge in the finance space, really so that I could open up a couple of more doors, really look into flexibility and mobility within my own organization. That was really important. At the time I was thinking about getting some of my series and thinking a little bit more of sort of in not informal, but not higher education, education in the finance space. And so I thought about doing that and then really realized, especially with the pandemic and and sort of the opportunity that I was back in state in Michigan. and, And I knew that there was a great institution available to me. For me, it was taking advantage of that opportunity and deciding to get my education in this format, right? So I knew I wanted to have an additional layer of sort of protection, if you will, something to pad my resume where I felt like I really could show a commitment to education. And for me, the MBA was a really good way to do that. I talk about an extra layer of protection. I would say, generally speaking, women face a number of barriers in the workplace, be that the wage gap, glass ceilings, or slowed careers due to maternity leave and other responsibilities at home. So I wanted this extra safeguard and insurance for any barriers that I might face down the road. So like I said, it's a little bit of an insurance payment to say, you know, I can demonstrate on a day-to-day basis in the office how committed I am, how driven I am, you know, good ideas, leading teams, that sort of thing. But I also wanted to have something in my back pocket And for me, that was really worth taking the time to do this. Now, you talk about limited time, and I certainly agree. It is almost like we have two full-time jobs, school and the job. But the beauty of the weekend MBA program is that you can actually gain an income, right? We're continuing to work and we have our consistent salaries and are therefore either able to put aside money or continue supporting our families or whatever that may be, to pay for tuition and to allow ourselves to get this added piece of insurance and knowledge and networking while also, you know, not really putting everything else on ice. So I do really think that that's a good thing. And I look around now mentioning where we're about to graduate in a couple of months. I I see that a lot of folks, whether they are jumping into a new career or role, or moving within their own company, they are definitely jumping in terms of salary and compensation. And I think that, from what I can tell, has been well worth the investment for what we're putting in in terms of time and effort and money into this program. So ROI, you can look at it in terms of dollars, and you can also look at it in terms of what you are gaining for the, you know, the, your future. Uh, Max, that's awesome. Definitely, you know, you kind of touched on a variety of different points, but towards, I mean, the way that you tied it up towards the end was suddenly, 
you know, interesting and informational. So the reason I said interesting is I've never heard or learned, like, you know, read about MBA as an insurance, right? You bring in a new field, like data as a service type. So that's definitely, like I said, the interesting portion of it. You also mentioned that women at, you know, work, like they face some challenges, like barriers are there, which is being proved through a lot of surveys, a lot of, uh, you know, work has been happening in the DEI world. I know you are the VP of DEI committee, so we'll talk about that. And uh, you also brought a good point about upward study costs, right? So from a weekend standpoint, is that something the students could factor in when they are looking at on the return on investment? Like, is that not a barrier at all, according to you, like, you know, working and also hustling with studies? That's a great question. You know, I tell folks who ask, this is certainly a time commitment, right? And people always say, you know, you're going to have to sacrifice something. It might be social life. It might be school. Maybe you're you're working out less. There's always going to be something that gives. But what I've seen is that in the cohorts year after year, folks are rising to the occasion, right? So I think it is absolutely a challenge. And maybe, I don't know if it's a good thing for me to say this, but maybe you're not going to be the student that you were in undergrad. I know I certainly am not anymore, but I think that's also part of learning and growing is that, you know what, the perfectionist in all of us maybe isn't going to show up. So I'll tell you, you know, it is still an investment. It is still quite a lot of money to go to enroll in any institution of higher education in the country today. So I certainly don't want to allude to it not being the case. It is expensive, right? But I think with the fact that you can continue to make an income and that the cost, it's only these two years, right? You're with the online program. You can spread it over a couple of years, which is really great. And that also allows you to work while you're going to school. But here, what I love about the weekend program is that you're locked up with your cohort. You're here for two years your sort of time constraints are limited to those two years and your financial costs are for those two years. So for me, that was absolutely the right decision. But for others, it's definitely important to think about it. Very well said, Mackenzie. Thank you so much. And to sum it up, that's what people sign up for, right? Raising to the occasion, it kind of matters because whenever any responsibility that is given to us or we sign up for it, this is voluntarily signing up. No one is asking us to do an MBA. You know, unlike our friends or like, you know, our manager might have said, and we've asked like, you know, hey, how can I grow up in my career? Okay, maybe MBA is a good option. So even that's not, you know, like forced upon us. It's voluntary in a broader sense, but very well said. Thanks, Mackenzie. So Sean, did you have something to add on to that? I would probably echo that. That was a very great point. Both of you talked about even at workplaces that I see. You know, because the way the course is structured for a specific two years, we could also correlate most of our course with full-timers. And also whenever, example me, last semester we had economics and I I used to go to classes all the weekend on Monday, go to work, I could really relate that at work. Otherwise, if I was you know, a different student, either with online or full-time, might be the opportunities lower right now because I'm working, I have the opportunity that I can definitely use upon, right? I totally agree, Sashank. There's been numerous times I thought about it, you know, I mean, some of the ideas that I've I mean, developed and also suggested to the team definitely came out of the discussions that we have in class or some of the notes that our professor sent. Like, you know, it's directly correlated, so which is good. One off the topic question. We talked a lot about ROI. So can one of you tell me 
what's the formula for return on invest? The technical formula. I would let the banker answer. Yes, that. Sure. So ROI is net income over the cost of the investment. Oh, that's cool. So the reason I asked that, yeah. So one of our, you know, like podcast hosts, Soham, you know, like when we were talking about, like, you know, strategizing and ideating for this episode, he specifically wanted to ask a why your question. So good. It, I mean, you had the answer. So thank you. <laughs> the reason that he has that now is like, the MBA is considered a high investment, high return deal. I know you both of you kind of uh, touched on it, but what according to you, you know, justifies the high investment, like, you know, $130,000, $140,000, like, you know, putting that together, it's high investment. And uh, you've seen people like, you know, get high returns, that's for sure. But first part of the question is what according to you justifies the high investment? I think I could pick on that. The way I look at high investment is, of course, as a person, where do you want to see yourself in the next few years? Uh, of course, everyone that graduates wants to become a leader in a certain part of their career lifestyle and then go out from there. But through an MBA program, what I realized is the real-life operational issues that go on in organizations, there's a big simulation that happens in within your MBA. Uh, here, you don't need to be scared. You could think practically, you could apply practically, you could get feedback real time. You also learn from your peers, which are in different industries. So all that is part of your, you know, it comes through that high investment that you put through your MBA. Whereas in real life, we might be, uh, you know, stepping back ahead saying, okay, it might not be our opportunity to jump in. But here you could test it out, your hypothesis saying, hey, is this really valid? Or what is the market response? Or what is your leadership response based on this? I think that's where I take it as what matters in terms of high investment, all these covers up the topics on where you see yourself and how you can position yourself in the future. So that's a very good answer, Sashank, because like putting ourselves in, in an uncomfortable zone and knowing that it's an experimental process and process action based learning, I think it kind of ties with it. So thank you. How about you, McKinsey? Yeah, I'd say I think applying and I think enrolling from the get go it does feel a little bit like a leap of faith. You you hope that it is going to be worth your investment, whether financially or whether through networking lessons learned. But there's no real way for anyone applying to any MBA program for sure that their ROI is going to be positive and on what time horizon, right? You see the statistics across the board and sure, you can hope that you're going to match that. But of course, there's never complete certainty. But what I would say is... One, what I've seen in my peers now is both those who are moving internally and those who are jumping to a new company, they are seeing already in their first year that they are going to be getting higher returns than they had at their prior employer, which is a positive. And then what I would also say is the to kind of to what Shashank was saying earlier is that you can actually start to notice when you're pulling skills. So we're working real time. Um, actually, last Monday, uh, I had a moment where I was faced with a problem at work, just a lot of chaos, a process that wasn't quite a process yet. There were a whole bunch of moving pieces. The team didn't quite know what they wanted to do. And I felt myself thinking, oh, well, you know, this is a path. And it was something from marketing that I had learned of Dr. Branch. If you guys have taken his, I think you took him for a semester. I remembered 
the the things that he basically had us memorize from the get go. And I I was drawing from that. And it wasn't the first time. There was another time, World Econ, if you guys have taken that with with Maggie, she's fantastic. Uh, we get weekly videos from our investment lead at the bank. And all of a sudden, I was starting to actually understand what she was saying and what it meant with you know, interest rates and inflation. And it was all sort of coming together. And so for me, ROI was actually having those tangible moments of, oh my goodness, I learned this and I can actually apply it. Because to Shishang's point is, if you aren't in the MBA, if you aren't doing something to help yourself learn, whether that is a taking your series exam or learning something new, a new skill, a new software, if you are not actively doing something like that and you are just working, you don't have those moments where you're like, oh, I learned something and I can apply it here. You're just kind of doing the best that you can in a vacuum. And that can work really, really well. But we're here really supplementing ourselves and have that, you know, that moment, that connection point of, okay, I'm actually applying this and seeing that, that is my return. And I think being able to apply those things I feel, or at least I hope, that's going to help me in my future career, that I have a new way to think about problems. And hopefully, you know, folks see that and that's something that makes me more successful. That is wonderful. Like, you know, I mean, we've had similar experiences, right? You know, personally, when there's financial statement, I work in product development finance. Whenever they are going to be there, you know, I try to Google some of them, like prior to joining MBA. So I get the bits of it. But understanding, you know, like what is gap and what is non-gap and how is this actually coming up to what's the headwind, what's the tailwind, putting that together, definitely, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say like, you know, I got another idea that I'm applying today, but for sure, like you mentioned, that idea is there, like, you know, it will take time for me to come up with a indigenous idea that will help me to, you know, come up with the next big thing. So very well said. Thank you. So. Now that we have seen, like, you know, we justified the high investment. So how can one maximize their returns? The reason I reached out to you both, because I know you both are very active, like, you know, not just with the program, like what Ross has to offer, like everything else that's happening with Sangha leadership, the WMBA board, you know, so how can one maximize their return? Sure. I think it's getting involved in every, every aspect, right? We know we're here to learn. Everyone here is a student. Everyone here is to learn from their mistakes or their opportunities, I should say. So I think there's no fear that you're carrying it on saying, okay, you know, if I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this sort of thing. You know, sometimes we step back, right? That's one thing I would definitely suggest saying, if there's an opportunity, go for it. You will learn something out of it. You'll also get networking events. You'll have some sessions that you can network with, which is also beneficial for you. It's basically also increasing your skill level. Right? It could be intrapersonal. It could be the knowledge in that opposite person's domain that you're learning about. You know, all these small conversations do take you long. So getting involved is important. That's my big takeaway. That's why I often attend a lot of case competitions or crisis challenges or, you know, sangular activities and stuff like that, which, which is basically just teaching myself saying, okay, there's nothing to fear about. I'm here to learn. Everyone's here to learn. So then why not? take the shot. That is really good, Sashank. Like, you know, we often see leaders from one company like CEO, CFO, they are on a board with another company. They are, you know, like volunteering, like spearheading a volunteer activity. They are advocates for a specific technology, you know, in the zone that they're working on. So often I wondered, 
outcome, they could, you know, do multiple things. But a structured education like MBA, most of them, it, and it kind of, you know, allows them to engage on the different things. Like I said, being involved and engaging. So you could totally learn something. So when I joined this, you know, program, I never thought I would be a podcast host. So something like this that happens once in a while. So it's definitely being involved and engaged very well with Sashant. So are we moving on to McKinsey? No, she's got a lot to offer from a DEI perspective. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I call everything Sashank mentioned. I think getting involved is a huge plus if you can have the time to do it. As as we talked about before, I'm the VP of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion on the Weekend MBA board. So I work with you, Ajay, and some other folks put on some case competitions. Shashank, I don't know if you were there. I hope you were earlier this year. But yeah, no, I, I think participating in those extracurriculars is is really, really beneficial to your experience. At the University of Michigan, that's pretty common. I know I went here undergrad, so I'm very much used to the student run, you know, all of these organizations and events. It's really wonderful and it, it helps add because, you know, it's it's free aside from your time. It's really a wonderful thing to to, you know, to look around and find where your interests might be met. The other thing I would say, too, is we know that Folks in our program are working for the most part. Many have families, children, other responsibilities, even beyond the weekend MBA program itself. And so I would say get involved as much as you can, but also know it's it's those tiny moments, those tiny conversations, you know, in our, our 10 minute breaks in between classes or lunch breaks, things like that. Getting to know the different folks in your class, maybe you have you're meeting someone new in one of your assigned groups for this semester. But I would say engaging with folks who have completely different backgrounds from you. Right. Uh, We have a lot of engineers in the program. I am not one of them. And so whether it's being in a group with an engineer and experiencing how differently they think from how I do and, and both of us learning from each other. Right. Those sorts of things, those small, tiny moments are are huge if you can't do the extracurricular activities. So I, you know, I think our cohort and I hope your cohort as well, we've gotten really, really close. And part of that, you know, it's because we came out of COVID together. We came out of the pandemic and we did some classes in the pandemic, some outside, and we kind of clung to each other. But I also think it's, you know, you are forming the foundation of your University of Michigan network. And it starts with this cohort, and then you also have the alumni network, but this is where it all begins. And so making those connections and conversations with your classmates is really, really special and important. I wanted to echo that key point, the alumni network, right? Um, my personal story behind it is I come from South Florida. Someone was lucky enough to find me that I lived there, and they were the alumni of Ross, and they reached out to me and like, hey, looks like you're here, you want to join us. So that's a big value add to us to know what they do in terms of industry relations or even personal relations. You know, that's that's one big thing that comes out of this program is the alumni is vast. And they're very helpful, very sweet. And that's one key, I would say, part of your high investment and the Ross experience is that everyone's like a family, I should say. So big plus one for that. Well, you value add, Sashine. So, I mean, looks like Ross has got to offer for everybody. Right. If you have the bandwidth and time to support, you could get involved with multiple initiatives like you both are. And like, you know, 
McKinsey mentioned, people could still make use of the small talks and the breaks that they have and make good connections. You know, that's the constraint they have and they hone in on it and uh, leverage it at a later time. Like people who don't stay close by like you definitely can make use of the alumni network and still, you know, add go blue at the end of your emails and, you know, have that connect going on. So there is definitely multiple facets to it. So one question on that. So how would you describe your Ross experience in a few sentences? What makes it unique? What makes it unique is, of course, the action-based learning. That's one thing I noticed across schools when I was initially even applying for the MBA program is every aspect or pretty much every course is action-based. Uh, you will notice that in terms of your map project example, I'm doing a map project, which is product introduction um, which is in South Africa, which is not a, also in the US. So that's a different experience for me. And I wanted to, to do that project. So you do get the opportunity to work on those life. And also, I was also interested to see how news affects stock market. So that's there's a trading floor, which is also open. And there are classes that Kai teaches on, you know, what are the innovatives that impact. So that's the first thing that action-based learning uh, is number one. Uh, the second one is, of course, the interpersonal skills at Ross Values and develops, right? Taking courses from Sangman Leadership Center was a key thing for me. Often, we at work, especially, we might reciprocate, you know, these ideologies, maybe to a limited standard and audience, but we don't have an open discussion on, you know, it could be DEI, it could be any aspect like that. But I think Sangman Leadership offers several opportunities like that. One of it, I was part of Legacy Lab, which talks about how Leaders, you know, leave the legacies. Each one of them has their own characteristics. What, who are you as a leader? You know, what are some characteristics you want to build yourself, you know, as you go through the journey? Of course, the crisis challenge that I've been mentioning, which I was lucky enough to get the CEO, which with you in the team as well. So I think putting you under the pressure and, you know, what does a CEO do on C-suite? How do they decide on things? We got real-time phone calls on that event saying, hey, you know, with the press, what happened to this situation? Next day morning, we had real board members we had the discussion with. So that's a different experience. So I definitely say it's experience and the, you know, skill set that you're learning through Ross. Key takeaways from that. Well, that's very well said. Thanks, Mr. CEO. I really echo what you say. And the power dynamics that we have to play in the boardroom and like, you know, prepping up for it. So that was an, you know, aha moment, you know, like looking back at it. So thank you. And uh, we go to McKinsey. Sure. So I think there are two really unique things about the Ross Weekend MBA program. So first, what I understand is that across the nation of the weekend programs, there are very few that are cohort based and that are lockstep the way that ours is. And so I mentioned before about, you know, how we're also very nostalgic, my cohort and I. And I think part of that is because a lot of this, well, at least for the first year, everyone is in the same class together. You are going through it together. You are faced with all of these challenges together and you really do match. That's what, you know, for us, I think it was about 90 people. And that is, that's your class, right? So I think that is truly valuable. You do have these people to really fall back on and they're all going through it with you. It's not like they don't get it. They absolutely do. And so that's been really nice. I, I think that's really unique to Michigan. There are a few other programs that do it. But if you were looking for a program where you are going to have the support of your peers, Michigan is a bar above. 
The second piece that I would say is in this, I've experienced this more now working, being on the weekend MBA board is that our administration, they are incredibly supportive of us. They listen to our concerns and they make changes. So one of the things that your cohort and and ours a little bit, but your cohort is absolutely going to benefit from is that you are now able to go choose to take some full-time programs or some online programs as well. That is not something that was possible in years past. We had a couple of folks from our program petition for this, work with our administration, and really kind of, as long as we were able to kind of make the case that, you know, this is going to be really beneficial to our degree, we still have the lockstep, um, the cohort-based foundation. But in our second year, maybe we want to explore some of these opportunities in in other classes. And I didn't expect, not only I didn't expect to see that change, but to see it so quickly. I thought it might be something five years down the road. I've I've worked for a university before. I know how slowly the cogs in that machine tend to work. And they really, they blew it out of the water, right? We were able to do that. We have, I have classmates now who are taking some online classes, you know, opted into an elective in a full-time program. And so to be able to do that, to benefit from the broader resources of the university was huge. And to have an administration willing to work with us on that, you don't see that in other places. And that's really, really special to work with folks who care that much about us. Thank you for highlighting that. And also thank you to your cohort for being great advocates and with the world moving towards more and more towards the flexible option. I'm sure like, you know, us program like in multiple different aspects, it is flexible too. But like even within the lockstep and somewhat a rigid structure, if they could bring in that, that's definitely awesome. And I'm sure we're really excited. Our cohort is excited. So thanks to Sri Ram and Patty at this time for implementing it immediately. So just go, go, go. In case our listeners are wondering, you know, they thought it was a discussion about ROI and it's more about like the well-rounded you know, MBA education that we're talking about, but that's what we wanted to, you know, talk about ROI. We're not here for, you know, talking about some financing options or promoting any, you know, student loan sponsors here. So, but with one final question to you both, you know, I'm sure a potential student is listening at this time. Some of them have got admits and are waiting to, you know, put in their deposits. So a piece of advice on, how should a potential student plan on financing their MBA? So there are a couple of ways. I know some employers will pay for some amount that might be 100%. That may be a certain amount per year. So number one, first, I would go and dig out your HR policy book that you got when you started and figure out what that is. Definitely make sure you look at timing and dates. Um For my employer, for example, you have to have your manager sign it and HR sign it before you take your first class. And then again, at the end, when you submit your grades. So I would say, look at that for sure to see if you can get any employer-based support. I'm personally taking on some grad plus loans. So get the FAFSA in, you know, that's a route. I had undergrad loans, so I'm familiar with the process, but I would say definitely take a look at that and figure out what your options are there. And then the third thing I would say, is if you are a state of Michigan resident, what's actually very interesting is that you can actually purchase a Michigan Education Trust or MET 529 plan. 
So 529 plans are usually purchased by parents or no godparents for a child when they're born. And then you can essentially what you do is you lock in, you pay for credits at the rate in that year. And then you can go to any state of Michigan institution. The beauty is if you are an in-state student, you can actually buy it for yourself. So I saved a few hundred dollars every year or so by doing that for myself. It's a little workaround in the system, but it is allowed. We actually have University of Michigan staff who are willing to help you work through that. And that's a little trick that I ended up using. It's it's tax free. You can deduct it straight out of your paycheck, which is wonderful. And so, you know, if it's there, you can absolutely use it. Or if you're listening to the podcast and maybe you're thinking about going and applying three, four years from now, you can start paying for that 529 plan for yourself now if you're interested. That's very comprehensive and very valuable. I mean, I could have asked a better question to an alumni at the moment, how to plan like that. But thank you so much, McKinsey. I'm sure not just a potential student, I'm sure the current students, like the MET program, I've been utilizing it for the last two semesters. It's like I said, it's slightly, yeah, like it's more pennies there, but still like, you know, it's definitely worthwhile, you know, saving every everything that we could do in the situation that we are in currently. So thank you. And uh, how about you, Sasan? That's pretty interesting. If I knew that I moved to Michigan a few years back, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty close. I think from from my side, I, I'm an international student. Currently on my work visa in the U.S. working for a company, right? I think a couple of options that I noticed, especially for financing, was there's a payment option that uh, University of Michigan provides. I believe once when we go to the portal of semester-wise payments, uh, you could space out your payments. It's not necessary that you pay out bulk at a time. Another option is, of course, taking student loans. For me, I'm personally from India, so I took a personal loan from India. Student loans from India, the advantage for a few of the offers that you get is you don't need to pay until you graduate. So that saves you some interest that goes on to your loan. So yeah, there are certain ways, of course, as Mackenzie mentioned, there are employers that fund, and I do recommend checking their agreements with the employers as well in that case. But yeah, I did both of them take a student loan and the payment plan so I could space out my payments as well. So one, one good thing from the university. Thank you, Shifang. I'm sure like there are a lot of international folks in both the cohorts and there are a potential bunch too. So I'm sure like it's a valuable advice for them. So appreciate you both for like taking your time, sharing your wisdom, I would say. And uh, as all, all MBAs like the two words, you know, the ones that we recommend are based on our experience and it certainly depends on the individual. So please make sure, you know, you can reach out to alumni, ask about their experience. That's a good start, which I didn't do. So starting with, you can ask about it, but always, always do your research. If one thing that MBA teaches us all is do your own research, like how stock market is. So just be careful on that, but like, you know, make note of it if you can, like any person student, and I'm sure there'll be good talking points or good research points, you know, at a later point of time, you know, actually in the program or just about the start of the program. So with that, we'll be wrapping up our sessions today. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation with our wonderful guest and learn more than two cents on one of the valuable metrics regarding MBA. So being part of the program, like almost eight months in, I did learn a lot from these two. So I'm sure you are too. 
Working for the Weekend is brought to you by University of Michigan Ross School of Business. The host for this episode is Ajay Mudaswamy. And our executive producers are Bob Needham and Ayush Mundra. Jonna Brockman did the editing on today's episode. Thanks again to all of our guests and thank you for listening. See you next time on Working for the Weekend. Are you-